0: Episode ten. Tonight, joined by Reese Douglas. How are you doing, Reese? Evening, gents, you alright. You're nervous, aren't you now? I am, nice I am nervous even yeah. here myself, myself, give back. it five minutes, you'll be fine. Yeah. Alongside Smed, you still got bronchitis, are you alright? Uh, no. You alright? No. China AIDS. <laughs> So, Reese, if you don't mind me saying, um, after a few episodes went out, you you reached out and said um, you think that you're like a worthy guest, you might have something to help those at home listening, hopefully.
1: Loosely, yeah. I think um, the closer it's got, I've got less likely to say, and it's a worthy guest, but by all accounts. What did
0: you use the other day when you rang me? What term were it? What did you say? Uh, Imposter syndrome. Um, Some on them accounts.
1: Yeah, that's what, the, that's what I've been feeling probably for last week. I've been feeling it since
0: probably January the 11th, I think, after the first episode went out.
1: Yeah.
2: It's the thing is, like it doesn't have to be like, how oh, I made my first million, that's a good thing about this. It can be just three blokes sat around the table mm. talking, and I put someone online earlier, and... If one person takes one tiny thing away from it, then it's mission accomplished, you know what I mean? Everyone's got life experiences that obviously spill over into other people's
0: lives. So yeah. Even if it's me that takes some away or Jake. You yeah know what I mean.
1: That you taking your time out to to even come here and talk to us is enough for well, me. Well that's what I found during my time is that pretty much it's funny that the things that you actually learn about yourself are not necessarily the people that you'd expect to be getting the best advice from. So sometimes they can be so different to you or even the most introverted of people that you can get the best advice from. Yeah, you've hit nail on that there.
0: So do you want to take us back? about your childhood
1: you might say you're from halifax but you were born in bradford weren't you so you are a bit of a bradford lad (laughs) technically yeah Yeah. but by all by all accounts i don't think many bradford boys know me or many bradford people know me first birth certificate tells another story it it literally does (laughs) yes yeah but then i'll get embarrassed and explain myself at a point that like where it's something important it says bradford on my passport um so yeah so so, um technically i think we lived in a flat in woodside until i was a year old um Then we moved to Lawmore. This was me, my mum, and my dad. Um, My mum and dad split up when we were... When I was about six, my brother was two. Um, And for me, my mum was always kind of the mainstay. I I always had a relationship with my dad and still have a relationship with my dad now, but my mum was kind of dedicated very much to being a parent. And for me, that's what always sticks in my mind is uh, my mum... Had a terrible upbringing. This, I won't kind of put to the front mm. exactly what her childhood was about, but it was a very poor one. All the sort of things that you'd imagine from a negative childhood that was my mum's. Mm. So, I think for her, it was quite obvious quite young that for her, her dedication was to being and having different to what she had, yes. Um, so. Yeah, that that I always remember a small family unit we've always had a small family unit of me my mum my brother obviously I still went to my dad's every other weekend or we had little breaks in between but that mm. was just the growing up phase and um yeah so we moved to hipporome when I think on oh no, we moved to North Harlem when I was six and then quite shortly after there were quite a lot of houses just from moving mm. out and just ch- just changing locations we went from uh, Hiproam to north Aram, north Arum back to lowmore Mo- uh, Low lowmore um Low back to hiprom Hip Rome to next door in hiprom then to um, i moved in with my dad in shelf and then it went to um, back to north Aram. so yeah it was it, it was usually halifax based but um, in terms of childhood I'd say I'd say by all accounts I had a good childhood. Really, mm. like I had a quite a privileged childhood on the basis of I had loving parents and like a parent that particularly couldn't ever do enough for us. And I think that yeah. that is that's a blessing in itself. I don't think that you can ever like as long as you've got a, a, a love, that's what that's anyone can really mind. ask yeah. for. Yeah? Yeah. yeah, yeah. As cheesy so, as that sounds to say,
0: no, don't do So when you said you had like the relationship we had, we always there for you, like. We're the sort of. For me, I grew up with a very similar uh, situation. I saw my dad fortnightly until we were about eleven, then um, he decided to move away. But that's his choice. That's I've I've never held any um, grudge, grudge or hate towards him or anything like that. He wanted a better life for himself, his wife, and his daughter, and I respect that. Um, we still just kept in contact but it wouldn't be the dream um fatherhood relationship that you'd like and like you say if you can take the love from my mum what she gave me and my brother it's all what matters yeah um and if anything it's a lesson for how I want to be with my son so that's what I take from it he's got his demons whichever way he wants to battle them. um but no hatred no malice are out there um it's a conversation I've not had with him I'd like to one day. Um but we'll see about that. Let's get him on. <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe not. Uh but no like an episode that... of Jeremy Kyle, <laughs> what it? Oh God. But no, I'll well, just for, for I always find odd that uh, as stupid it sounds, when people have grown up in separate households that they've still kept a good relationship with you, you know what I mean? Because uh, so, I haven't, it's hard for me to Comprehend, or if that makes sense. I don't know if that's making any sense, but
2: yeah. Well, you don't know any different than what you, how you were brought up, to you? there mm. so you can't really understand anyone else's experience. No, no, you haven't been there. No,
1: and mine were probably fairly similar for you. So um, I did see, I did see my dad, and then when my dad um, got his new partner, um it ended up being quite fractious in the way that there were. Um, so I've got two, so I've got um, one other brother to the same mum and dad, and then I've got two other brothers to the same dad and different mums, and quite naturally that became quite fractious in the way of. And I don't. I I suppose I'm careful that I don't want it to sound derogatory because at end of the day, anything is. It's still my little brother's mum, but mm-hmm. naturally they wanted to have their family unit, which then left me and Brandon probably somewhat on the periphery. Yeah. Um, my dad probably wanted to find his home unit, which then when it was with this woman, she wanted it with um with her, mm. uh, with her children. And I don't, I don't hold that against her for it. Um, oh. but it did mean that it was quite fractious. Um. And because of that, it meant that it, it, I didn't have the relationship that I'd want with my dad. I think that probably for a long time, I I, I remember the night my dad left, and that's always sat with me as that. And um, for me, I, I, it was something my mum always said to me that I, I always see, I always sought my dad's approval. Um, I don't know in what capacity. I think it was just probably an acceptance thing, but it's not something I ever did consciously. No. But, um, but yeah, so I've, I've, I still get on well enough with my dad now. We're still on talking terms. Oh my, my dad's very different to me though. My dad's um, a very introverted person. He doesn't talk about his feelings. He never has. Mm. I genuinely believe he never will. Um, he's like, as you said about it, uh, you'll be your dad with his demons. Like, I think my dad's the exact same. Um, he's just trying to find his comfort in his life. And yes, it's correct. not, he don't wish bad on, anyone he just he's trying to find his comfort in life and that's then meant that I suppose for me trying to find my answers me pushing to a man that doesn't want to give answers just because of his personality that that yeah at
0: the
1: end of the day my dad still did the best that he could do and Mm -hmm. um so for that there's no there's no resent there but people can only do but I suppose that means then more of a testament to my mum to how she did yeah to take on the two roles really oh yeah 100% because my mum had influential she it was always a open door policy of like I remember my mum me and my mum having conversations as friends as like as parent as parent and son as um as as everything really Mm -hmm. from such a young age so I was always taught to express my feelings which I think that probably made me the person that I am today. I feel like me and you myself
0: and you—you've got a lot in common more than we know because yeah. of that. Like my mum brought uh, me and my brother up, and like you say, she she wears her heart on her sleeve. Yeah. I wear my heart on my sleeve, and I feel like my brother—he'll it, 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 tell you if something's up, but I feel like you have to you have probably. to dig for it a bit. Yeah. Um, but then, in his way, he was my father figure yeah yeah, but then i've said before on another podcast he had to learn from someone and it unfortunately it might have been his self mm-hmm. do you know what i mean so if i when i were going to win with, with questions and i'm sure brandon did with you growing up like questions that you and him couldn't answer but you had to
1: answer to help like the younger siblings if that makes sense I, I get what you say, but that that wasn't really the case for me to be fair, because my brother's always been quite an introverted person as well, and he's mm. he was always the term mummy's boy. Um, he was he, he was the youngest, and and he was the halo around the head sort of kid that would he could never do any wrong, and he just we didn't really have that relationship, which is not until recent that I come to somewhat regret a little bit on the basis of I wish I had a closer relationship with my brother from younger because whilst Mm. we're really close now like like we're we're friends and we're good friends and we speak often I wish from younger I could have said that I played that big brother role better but Mm. I would just try to figure my own out because like you say if you don't have that kind of example I would try to figure myself out and I think with that naturally it kind of become a little bit of a dog eat dog to some Mm. effect um Often, for me, it did, and whereas my brother never, I don't think my br- brother ever seemed to come to me. Um, and whether that was my actions or what, I'm, I'm not sure, but um, but yeah, that is something I've thought about. And uh, yeah, yeah. I don't
2: think you can hold, hold, hold it over your, your own head too much. And I know in an ideal world, and I can't comment on this conversation too much because I grew up, you had the white picket off, fence, didn't you? Well, <laughs> <laughs> but. You still had to be a kid. Yeah, yeah. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. at the time, that's all you'll have been doing realistically. Yeah, yeah. I know if we could turn back time, maybe you'd have done it a bit different. But then again,
1: you were a kid. Of course, you yeah. Know you are know Unconscious. I
0: mean? You had to have your own childhood. You're right. Yeah. You've it nailed yeah, up. Yeah. No. yeah, So from the grimy streets of Loma, you got out of there, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> you <got> a... <laughs> no laugh a mile away. <laughs> <laughs> you moved to North Arum for a better life. <laughs> So what, uh, childhood, uh, school years, were you well educated, So, did you get your head down?
1: Um, not really, so um, f- for me, I-, I was always fairly academic, I was never the best but I was never the worst, it was always kind of middle ground, I had my strengths, I had my weaknesses and I probably, my strengths, I excelled in because I knew I was good at it, it brought me confidence whereas mm. the negative, I almost then made it obvious that I didn't care and I um, so I did all right at school and mm. I didn't do badly. I could have done better. I definitely could have done worse. Um, so I, 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 went, I went to school and I, I stayed in education to sick form just because I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I knew I was always good at maths, but it was never, I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I always, I think the fact that I was always au fait with numbers, mm. it was, oh, you'll be an accountant. And funnily enough, that's kind of what I stepped into naturally just through that being the oh, you good at maths. That's what, what the yeah. natural career was of it. Um, so I went to Sick form and messed about at sick form, to be honest. I, I, I was very lackadaisy with it. Mm. It wasn't anything I took seriously and I didn't do very well. Um, anyway, I ended up getting a trainee role as um, an accountant. And I'd actually really quite enjoyed it. Did that for five years. Um, but I just noticed for, in terms of... Because what I and this is kind of skipping back a little bit, what something that my mum, with my mum's kind of past for her, it was always a case of drilling to us, that you work hard, you yeah. get a good job, yeah, you earn money, so you don't struggle and you're happy, mm-hmm. so that was kind of always the strong precedence for me, was that that's what I held close to me.
2: Mm. I, I don't disagree with me if you think, but I think that's where educational system in this country is massively flawed. I mean, how much pressure you put on kids, you must get at least a C, Mm -hmm. or you're definitely not going to get a job. I left school with, well, I dare say no GCSEs, basically. Mm. I've done all right for myself, Mm. but it was the hard work that we put in after school. Like, after six months, school didn't really matter. I'm like in the middle of an apprenticeship now. Mm. Like, I've fucking just wasted some right years there. Yeah. I know it's never going to change. I think American school system, I don't know what year it was, but that, when when uh, Americans changed their schooling system, it was one of presidents I think, and they said I don't want a country full of thinkers. I want a country full of workers. Yeah, and I'm it's... assuming the same happened here somewhere. But like you say, you've gone on to do well for yourself. Yeah, that pressure that was put on you. I think it's important what your mum said: work hard and get a good job. She didn't mm. say. Go get A stars, and get a good job. Just work hard. Do you know what I mean. Concentrate. Try learn a bit.
0: Yeah. It, yeah. I feel like I, I. People might disagree with this, but it's like, and I'm not after sympathy or anything like that. But like the, the single mum sort of upbringing does teach. No offence to you. You know what I mean. But like. I I I know you had two. You've had two jobs for years to work and save. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I had, I've had, and yeah, it might just be a coincidence that we both had two jobs and single mums and whatnot. But I do feel like you said, like you say, Jake. School teaches you. They should teach you the basics of re- reading and writing, but they need t- you learn more in life, don't you? Well, when like, was
2: last time you used algorithm I, well, I am. I mean, really maybe or. you. <laughs> no, I don't. But, <laughs> but, do you know what I mean? Or Pythagoras theorem. No, you, you, it, realistically, it, it takes fucking six months to learn, and you I never know, use it. But my they, apprentice is 20, something like that. Yes, i my partner. And we were, it's something like that. And... We were talking about high interest rates. He's like, Yeah, but how's that going to affect me? I'm like, Fuck's sake, it!" And I've written it down like how it works out for him to buy an house. He's like, oh, bloody hell, I didn't know that.
1: That's, it's funny that you say that because, like you say, that tax is one of the biggest things that you learn as a kid. Some of the going off topic a little bit is what I've noticed is one of the hardest things you don't get taught as an adult is how to vary different teas on a night, like a decent tea. Like if you think about your your meals that you're going to have on a night, like (laughs) that is, that is a real struggle for an adult. (laughs) What decent teas you're going to have over a week's period. And then you've got to have the next week and the week after that. But, um, being serious, like taxes, something that no one's really taught in school mortgages. And like, I'm just trying to think of other examples of real world problems.
0: How to apply for a mortgage council tax, just the day to day living.
1: Yeah. you don't get taught any of it and 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 with that that's um you I suppose you're only taught one dimension of intelligence by all accounts and what you notice is the people that um are excelling in life now now they've kind of school's being gone done um you're seeing people that have got a work ethic but also that can think outside the box of school um because like you said um they taught you're taught to the, the we're making workers as opposed to thinkers, and it's when you start seeing thinkers that weren't necessarily the most academically kind of approved kids from school, um, but they're the ones that are really starting to prosper and build a mm. business. Yeah. yeah. Um, a couple of, I know a couple of millionaires, and all of them left school, couldn't read, couldn't
2: write, mm-hmm. and, you know, they've just grafted their arses off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. <clears throat>
0: um well, but well, well, didn't what? food tech teach uh apple crumble and f- uh, flapjack for five nights a week for your tea yeah but <laughs> that's why that's why i've got a muffin top hanging on my belly now <laughs> all
1: the difference is there's, pe- there's people that can make them better now so that's what i um yeah. any money i earn is just going towards them no but
0: you're right there though because like like food tech didn't teach uh, as bit like i run about with um out of a day it's like I couldn't make like a say a sausage casserole no like traditional teas. Yeah. No like a traditional tea. Hmm. It's all right you can go on fucking Instagram now and see cornflake crispy chicken wraps or whatever. But there's no sausage casserole, sausage mash, there's not basic. You know what I mean, like a tea variation for a week is hard, and it's probably our we never argue. I, I won't say argue, but it's hard, one of our bugbears for one of the where we 100%. say, What What do you want for this week? Hmm. and it's like, I don't know, what about so and so? Well, we had that last week twice, and like, yeah, all oh, right, well, uh, fuck no, then you choose. <laughs> it's, what,
2: what do you do? Uh, see, I'm completely the other way around, so I worked away for god, eight years, something ridiculous like that, and when we were away, we in restaurants constantly so when you got home all you wanted were home-cooked food you you already knew in your brain what you wanted do you know what i mean you wanted yeah. a nice hearty, homemade meal so like without blowing me on trumpet i'm a really really good cook as daft as it is the first ever job that i got offered were to go to college and do chefing okay and i'm like nah i'm gonna be a mechanic me i'm gonna get caked in greece and stuff <laughs> now if you could say, Jake, there's 100 grand, go set something up, whatever you want, I'd open a bistro. Mm. Yeah. That's what yeah, they're, they're what flying at
0: minute, aren't they? That's what's like. Yeah, I love cooking. I, I, I love the whole
2: idea of food. I love, like, for us, me, me and wife and kids, when we sit at the table, it's. TV's off, phone's off, sit, tell me about your day, let's talk about stuff, We're looking forward to things we've got coming up. And it's just that, for me, it's just that family environment and sort of what it, you know, it's just that little bit of time where you can just enjoy something and just enjoy each other's time, like really a bit of attention, really, undivided attention, I guess. Well, Mm. it's
1: teaching some family values, so the actual food is teaching family values beyond the actual domestic side of things, isn't it?
2: Yeah. We, I did it other week with kids. They were they were both sat here. They had YouTube on a summit ridiculous. I'm like, right, half an hour, I need you in the kitchen. Why? Well, you're seeing half an hour. That were it then. Mm. What, what, what's happening in half an hour? So I just got some like tortilla wraps out and some ham and tomato purees and stuff like that. I'm like, you're going to cook your own tea? You're going to make pizzas on tortilla wraps? You know what I mean? Mm. Little fakies, but... Getting them involved and you know getting their hands dirty a bit and oh, yeah. just having fun with it and then cleared the plates. But it's, I think it's just I don't know. Like you say, it's just such an important thing that you just not no,
1: taught. Taught at all. We've gone off on a tangent a little bit, but uh, but with that, um I went. I recently went travelling. Um Me and my sister have got a camper van and we went around Europe for three months. And um, when we were in Belgium, I think it was. There's this family of. Uh, very stereotypical family of um mr and mrs um son and daughter and you just saw uh the son um walking o- on a campsite walking over to like the stations where you you can wash your dishes and stuff uh just walking over and then daughter just walking with um they're washing up liquid and literally they're just mucking in and mm. you can see they've all made food together but they've all just gone and done the part and washed up as well the parents they're only 25 meters away so they can see what they're doing but they've yeah. just gone and washed up and something like that it's just mucking in it's um just teaching them some domestic discipline yeah, that's it yeah correct you yeah, were yeah. nail
2: on ed all the week didn't you 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 were on about we were on about kids like i don't know if it were on podcast life we were just talking mm. and kp said like you miss as a child and then they give it to you and say right
0: good luck and that's it, you're out. Mm. And if yeah.
2: you don't know how to cook and you don't know how to work a washing machine, then that's your fucking issue. Yeah. <laughs> you better sharp work it out.
0: <laughs> There's no MVQ in fathering or yeah, che- parenting, no, parenting that's is what I said. Right, yeah, where we were with this podcast, uh,
1: You were just uh, an accountant, I think. You're just yeah, yeah, yeah. So so um I did I did that for five years. So I started that when I was nineteen. I did that through to being twenty-four. And with accountancy, what I found was, it was a it was a job that you did years in order to progress as mm. a rather than being work ethic based. Yeah, yeah obviously you were highly thought of by putting your hours in or putting your work ethic into it, but overall you still had to do your years. And I think for me, it was something that I wanted more my work ethic to reflect both my wage and kind of my advancements. Mm. So. Um, it isn't too dissimilar, but then I went into a wealth management firm and um, trained to be a financial advisor. Yeah.
0: So, so that, what does what does that consist
1: know. of? So wealth management is it, it is without being it's creating objectives, but both financial and kind of it's looking into the future mm-hmm. to establish people's objectives and putting plans in place for people to achieve their objectives, whether that be sending kids to university, whether it's right. going on a a, a huge holiday that they need to plan for for years, uh, retirement planning, investment planning, mm-hmm. legacy planning. Um, it, it's all aspects of it, but family pl- uh, planning in terms of putting protection policies in place in case of one of the family members, it, it, it spans across quite a, a varied... Yeah. yeah. It's very real life. Yeah. Can I just
2: go back a little bit? i just got a question for you. The term, if, if someone says I'm an accountant, mm. you instantly think they're extremely, they've done yeah, yeah, very, yeah, yeah. very well for themselves. Mm. Yeah. But where where's the ground level of accountancy and where's sort of the top end of accountancy?
1: So I I agree, I think that, I think historically it used to be a case of the accountant was not just the person that sorted the money, it was the business advisor, it was the financial advisor. And I think as time's gone on, it's split it split out more to so you've got accountants which are very much you've got two types of accountants. You've got management accountants which are kind of dealing with the financials from within a company so you you have kp limited Mm -hmm. and uh, kp's trading and uh, you've got someone working for that company that is the the accountant within so that that's called a management accountant and you've got a financial accountant which is someone doing it uh, doing it for other people so kp KP and jake come to me and i do their accounts so um and then you've got financial; like they're all different qualifications nowadays. So, um, essentially, start accountancy now. You, book so you've got bookkeepers and accountants, and I'm I'm going to bore everybody <laughs> to be fair, but uh, yeah, it's it is ultimately learning how to record keep from the bottom up, and that from a financial point of view can be probably minimum wage or not far off it. Right. But stepping up from that, you're understanding bigger companies, more complexities, the laws around it, the taxation around it. And as you see that, you generally see that the um, the salaries increase and the size of the companies, the profitability of the company. So there's certain accountancy firms... I think I don't know if they're called the Big Three, the Big Four. You've got um, Deloitte, um, KPMG. I don't know if you've seen that big building in Leeds where it used to be a big outside car park uh, as you enter Leeds. Yes. Yeah, that's a KPMG yeah, it used to building. Be a good car park that as well, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I think it was about not, five it, quid all day. Yeah, I think it pissed me off when that got. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and now you go and uh, drive past uh, Trinity, and it costs you a tenner. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so I think that the upper, the upper echelons of accountancy I never really touched i the average working man I could deal with their finances for and understand and talk to them on a, on a level that would help them but at the same time accountancy for the average man is all, it, it's a lot more there's there's limited amount there's, there's a limited amount of benefits unless someone were going to get investigated in my opinion it's staying with it you're just basically telling them the rules. within within certain limits and then wealth management is that
2: basically a completely different thing in a sense yeah even though it's dealing with obviously money
1: yeah so i see more of a benefit in financial advice than i do in accountancy personally accountancy's definitely got its benefits but for me to the average working man that we're we're typically used to coming across, I see much more of the value of financial advice. Financial advice, some people can misperceive it as get-rich-quick schemes. So um, people have come to me and start talking about cryptocurrency or a particular stock and things like that. That's not really what financial advice is. That's more, to some effect, that's gambling or an educated guess. Whereas financial advice is long-term financial planning. It's... um, understanding tax laws to be able to not overpaying tax and mm. utilise and um, protect your family. And for me, it's a lot more relevant to not paying through your nose in tax, through organising uh, and your, your finances to be better off on a yearly basis as opposed to what I were doing in accountancy, which was kind of telling people what the bill was and... Yeah. Um, with that, who's ever going to be happy with the bad news of a bill, unless you unless you've got your subbies that are getting money back? But even then, it's a case of, oh, I've paid I've paid ten grand, but I still want twenty back. Mm. Um, do you know yeah. what I mean? It's yeah, um, yeah. It, it's it's quite a tough game as accountant, It's a, a, a working class level. I find it quite a. But at the same time, I might I might not be educated enough in it to see mm. the true benefits. I'm I'm not naive to think that. I might be kind of under undervaluing the actual Trade. profession. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So when you took the leap from accountant to financial advising, mm. did you question it? Did you think what what if people think? For me, I think uh, if a, if I think I'm going to ring a financial advisor, it's going to be no offence to anyone out there, a middle aged man that's yeah. going to come with a briefcase and he's going to slap that briefcase down and talk about what he's done and this, that and other. So what do you think, like, did, that? what I'm saying is, did you think of any people think, but well, fucking, what if I'm too young? What if this, what if that? Or am I just overthinking what a financial advisor is?
1: I did at first. So when I first actually started going out and seeing people, um, bearing in mind, I still haven't got a beard now. I'm only just trying <laughs> to get a bit of bum fluff on my face. I, that, that was something that I was really conscious of. It was something that I thought, oh, are people are going to take me seriously because I look so young. But, It was other people that told me I was mature beyond my years, which now I believe. But it was that that kind of got me to a point where, um, you—it's just just natural confidence through doing it. And Mm. I tell you what, the first meeting I ever went to, I felt completely out of my depth. But in reality, you're still only talking to a human being. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. And that, and it's just the more you present yourself in the right way, and. i suppose you're dignified and plausible and it, it, it that stigma of being too young for it does just go away mm-hmm. and i think that um financial advice as you exactly like you say you you, you feel like you're going to someone's going to be sat across you that's just going to bought life out of you until you sign what necessary paperwork mm. but in reality um i think that injecting some younger people into it, which in a firm that I work in, there's a lot of young people. Um, mm. It seems to be what they're trying to adopt, which is young people that they can be there for the long term. Um, so I, I suppose I've never really been around the younger, uh, the older sort of, we never had any money to be financially advised on. So um, I never really experienced it there. I've gone into this financial advice firm and there's quite a lot of young people there, all switched on people that... Um, yeah, I suppose I've just fed off it, and I know that if I, I've got people in front of me that have done it, I should be able to do it. That oh, was good on where I got my um, confidence from. Good have you always
2: me. enjoyed it? Obviously, from a very young age, you, you said yourself at school, you were always good at maths, and everyone always said you were going to be an accountant. Was mm. there ever a point where you thought, I'm, I am actually sure if this is what I want to do, or has it always been something like, I'm good at this, I enjoy it?
1: I think that I've never and i suppose this is going to be the further part of the podcast is i never really questioned anything about my life for the first 26 years of it i didn't i didn't really spend too much time questioning it it was just that was the principle of work hard earn good money Go get well. a good job yeah. and be yeah. happy that, that that was the premise for me so that was always the pot of gold for me i didn't i didn't think anything beyond that I think this us nicely
2: into obviously where we're going to go with this podcast. So yeah. from so you you've obviously you you know you've just said it yourself there. You never really questioned what you were doing or how you were doing it. Do you do you want to start explaining a little bit on you know when you did
1: start to recognise them sort of things? Yeah. So um, I'd say that for the last the, the last three and a half years for me have been the time where I've I say I've been alive because I've been so, so much more aware. Mm. So, um, when it was, when I started, it was when I first actually got, um, a promotion into an advice role that about six months before we'd, we, we had a lad's holiday coming up. It were a stag do when we were going to a beaver, and, um, I made the decision. Like, Cause I've always been someone that's been, uh, into the gym I've always done it I've done it since being 13 14 um not something that I've ever done to progress too much it. it's just always something I've done and um I decided that I were going to do a course of steroids it was mm. something that I wanted to um to do just we were going on a lads holiday it was just kind of what happened yeah exactly. yeah well, yeah yeah and yeah. um so with that started taking steroids, so I started taking testosterone, I think it was test E. I think it was test E. Um yeah. and um it would injections and I didn't notice anything for the first four to six weeks, but then naturally but what I did notice was I was quite poorly quite often. Like I was always feeling down, always had flu. Mm. Um and then what I started to notice when my mentality were changing, I started to get a little bit agitated more my my temper were just a lot shorter to the point where probably over probably by about 10 weeks i was just in a a state of agitation and rage so easily it wouldn't take much it'd only take for me to bang my arm off a a door or something like that and all of a sudden i'd be raging i wouldn't be able to calm down um and that for me was a point where I kind of realized that this wasn't necessarily doing anything for me. The only time I felt okay was when I was in the gym. Mm-hmm. Um, so at that point I decided, because honestly, I, I don't know what it was. I think I got out of the car and I bashed my elbow or something like that. And I literally, I slammed the door shut. I would, it, would, it was somewhat ridiculous. I looked like i was having a proper little tantrum. And I won. Mm-hmm. Um, and I realized that I needed to kind of, I, I realized what was going on and then I just stopped. Um, so I hadn't had any real advice on steroids really like you've got people that give you the advice based on their kind of experiences
2: just a couple of questions on steroids because like you said not not it's not something that I've uh, partaken in but what's uh average
1: cycle is it 12 week 12 week yeah so that's like 12 to 16 isn't it depending on what you're what you're taking and that that's only from my knowledge of it obviously yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's very yeah. limited there's no specialist in talking to you about it there's just the biggest
0: gear in gym that'll tell you what he did at the yeah. start yeah if he's bigger than you he knows yeah. more than you yeah, yeah. and how
2: old were you uh,
1: at this point would you say so that was April February March, April 2019 so what's that four years at, four mm. years ago, so I'll have been 25 so I literally
2: testosterone peaks at around that
1: age anyway, yeah, yeah, naturally, yeah.
2: don't it? So when you're saying that you were aggressive and everything but you felt fine in gym, that's probably because it were an outlet. Would I be right in saying
0: that? Well yeah. But, you-
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> go um, on, you just carry one on. One, I'm gonna one, keep
2: putting in my questions. No no do no. pretty slack to it all do you know No, I mean?
0: it's for me, my opinion my thing what they it You it want the rage at the time. Um People might around me might disagree, but the rage at the time wasn't there. It were the mental abuse that it did to myself, basically. Um, body dysmorphia, never felt good enough. Two steps forward, one step back. Felt saggy. Um, I just never felt good enough when I were on it, when I were off it, and. <laughs> It was just the state of mind that it put me in as well. It would disgusting, really. Like there's a time in my life, like probably similar age, twenty five, twenty four, twenty five, where I just want to erase it. But then, like you said earlier, if if I hadn't have done it, I won't probably be sat here talking about it. I, I'd probably still have that massive ego that I
1: thought I had, which really, it were never me. That that time in my life were never me sorry to notice kp but can you see how like his body language has changed he's actually thinking about it and that's and that's the thing so like for me when i was in the gym so i used to train with a lad and we used to go religiously we're only it was probably five times a week but um by all accounts that's what i started looking forward to going to the gym and nothing else like say i was feeling run down all the time that i wasn't in the gym um, bearing in mind the other things that I was never taught to prop- how to properly inject, and so ju- you were injecting in your glute, so you're injecting in your ass, and ultimately you're buying it from someone that you don't, you don't, you don't really know what it's. It's all sketchy when you actually look back on it, but in reality, it was that it were, it was that moment where I noticed oh, I need to stop this because I, I wasn't in control of my own mind, and um, at that point I made the decision that, I, that I'm just stopping. But again, I think from a limited knowledge, you have to do. I think it's called PCT, so which is poor cycle therapy, yeah. um, or is it is it poor cycle therapy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But how
0: so many I'm people said to you, "No, nah, I don't bother." Me. Yeah,
1: yeah. Exactly. <laughs> That's what I mean. And so, so with that, um, so I just stopped, and mm-hmm. because I just knew that I couldn't be this level of angry because it was just going to get me into trouble. So, is this on your first cycle? Yeah. What like halfway through it or something? So I, yeah. So I we're about what must have been eight weeks through, right. ten, 10 weeks through. And physically, what were going
2: on physically? Like, were you looking like fucking Adonis or were you still <laughs> like, when's it kicking in? I,
1: I'd, I'd noticed changes. I were in a better place. Like both, I suppose, from a strength perspective, that's something you just see fly through roof, mm. don't you? Um, in, in terms of physical shape, I were in better shape. But like you say, from a body dysmorphia thing, it was almost when you wasn't in the gym, you just felt like a flat pancake all the time. Um, until you were in the gym, you'd get a pump on and you'd, you'd feel yeah. fucking massive again. Mm.
2: Do you notice, do you notice like, obviously you go to the gym, you get your pump on, you look in the mirror and you're obviously, as far as I'm aware, you start taking more, more um, notice about sort of how, how things are promenading in certain places and your chest and your abs and all the rest of it. Is that what's causing the problem when you get home and the pump?
1: Yeah, pretty down. much. And then you're like, yeah, oh, I'd not say that it, fucking big at all. Yeah, to some effect. They, it was just like, because you'd almost have a, a false perception of what you what size you actually were when, yeah. you, when you'd been in the gym to them when you left. like it, You'd suddenly then just curl back into your shell and not be what you thought you was. you question you ch- question if gym mirrors were like, what? <laughs> 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 you would. You'd... It definitely got you beating on yourself more than it did me because I, d- I didn't beat on myself all that much. Like, I didn't think I'd- I wasn't in that much of a bad place. It was the anger that I knew was the problem for me. It was you can see from KP's situation, it created a different beast, yeah. Um, yeah, um, yeah, it, it, I don't. It's summer, uh,
0: people listening will, it's never summer. I when I when I did it, I were open about telling people. Mm. Um, got quite embarrassed cuz I still am. Um but like I say, if I didn't do that, I wouldn't be here now. I had to I had to go through my shit to be a better person, mm. basically. Um on one hand, I'm really glad that it happened cuz I feel like yeah, before doing it, I were a good I were, I'd like to say I was a good person, but after coming out of the the dark side of it all, I feel like me now
2: did you do like a full did you stick to it and do like a full cycle and the PCT and everything or did you flick out of it or did the you P- do it all yeah, and no. then just fuck no me. you do
0: it you, I did it uh, but then the PCT Oh yeah is it P? it do not sound right it here. is yeah, PCT, PCT yeah yeah but I, I'm laughing now because there were so many people that said nah fuck that off <laughs> <all." laughs> like uh, but it's like stuff, how, how, how naive or what I was. If I'd have known what I know about my body and my kidneys and whatnot, then I wouldn't even touch the stuff. Yeah, yeah. But it's like people are like, nah, it just goes through your blood, man. You'd be right. <laughs> yeah, but your kidneys <laughs> fucking fill your blood. You think, cunt, why didn't I? Don't, I don't know. You just don't think.
2: I remember <laughs> I was once talking to one of our friends um, who'd been on it and they were on about coming coming off PCT and all that stuff. I'm like, oh, so. What is it? Like, oh you just do this thing called milk thistle? I'm like, <laughs> all right, what what's that? Is that something that comes with like, no, I just get it from all in the it's about
0: five quid. I'm like, and that's gonna save you. <laughs> like, I don't think it that that's for to
1: whilst you're on it or something, isn't It is so, Is it something to do with your liver, milk yeah, thistle? Um, this yeah, how educated. Yeah, that, that's you what. Too, we, what? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But then I suppose then it unearthed more problems for me because then when I decided then when I stopped I didn't take any PCT I just stopped I just let it, I just wanted it out of my body um and naturally if you inject injecting testosterone into your body your natural testosterone kind of producing hot, um receptors they then they stop got, yeah they're going older yeah so bearing in mind then you have knackers like peas mm-hmm. um then I wasn't getting the injected testosterone test- Testosterone into my body, and I wasn't getting the natural producing testosterone into my body.
2: So that's what the PCT is to bring your natural all back yeah. Yeah. to yeah. baseline. I think
1: I think clomid is what, which is what they found in um, Connor Ben's system, is typically, like, uh, yeah, allegedly. <laughs> yeah, of course, allegedly. What in the meat that yet? Yeah. <laughs> no, it was high. It was a lot of eggs wasn't it. Oh, eggs. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that's typically a PCT. I think it's actually something that inhibits estrogen. Right, I, I, I don't fucking know. I don't even know why I'm trying to say it like I do. No,
2: we're not scientists, but no. like you say, it's interesting. So no. keep going, and I've, there's a conversation we need to have once we get through your story before we move on from steroid use. I think there's a very big conversation we need to have to the younger generation. Yeah, yeah. my or even the 31 year olds that have actually questioned whether it's a good idea. It's not. <laughs>
1: Well that's the that's conversation end talk. of don't, as you, don't do it as Stick you were to saying fucking protein
0: yeah anabolic protein that us ended that was sick that
1: i um, <laughs> but as you were saying like it's made you the person that you are like i've always said to my, myself that like i want to be a wise person like i want to be able to give genuine advice based on genuine experiences so if anything else it's give me the ability to say why someone should or shouldn't do it, or at least give them the information based on my experience mm. to let them make a decision as to what whether they do it or not. If anyone wants an experience, come
0: talk to me and you'll see me curl into a shell like I just should yeah. all talk.
1: Yeah, your T-shirts okay. couldn't have become a... Like
0: Michelangelo from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Man? Can
2: I just say for all listeners, I do apologise about the barking that you keep hearing, but... It's not me in on gear again. <laughs> unless I go tape my dog's mouth shut, there's no I can do about it, so bear with me. They might go to sleep. They might not. Right, so... You've uh, you've come off it. Yep,
1: literally just come off it. So, as I said, knackers were like peas, and then obviously I've stopped taking it, and um, I've got no, I've just got no testosterone in my body at all. Um, naturally, with having a missus, that had its issues, um, I, I don't even know. I don't even know how to say it in a in a way that doesn't make me cringe like I just had no sex drive whatsoever um it just it had gone I I just had nothing in my body um and that then led to me struggling with intrusive thoughts so I had a lot of intrusive thoughts and questions and obsessions about whether I were gay because obviously at that point I Mm. couldn't I I, I couldn't perform in any way I just had no in me um and i remember the first time that i had that thought and it scared the life out of me and like from my perspective i'm not homophobic i have no issue with people being gay but for me it was just a completely foreign thing just come and just pause that so
0: with the steroids did that would you say that stepped we mental health a bit did you did that like did that step it on oh
1: 1000% yeah. so um, yeah, obviously, coming off, I just felt I just felt low for probably eight nine weeks. Just I just had nothing in my body. Like I was, I, I just couldn't feel good about myself in any way. I was just I was just so flat, mm. um, and I just started to feel a little bit better. Um, so obviously, the initial point of taking steroids was to go on this stag do mm-hmm. um, to look good for this stag do um the stag do were in a bfa so just about got to a point where i felt all right went to a bfa did what you do in a bfa um and then came back and the day i got back i was told that i was moving into an advising role so just to put it into context i was i was always in an office-based role where it was a nine to five a half, eight mm-hmm. half eight to four whatever and then i was going into a, an advising role that I was in charge of my own diary. So I've always been a structured person. I've, mm. I've always been in a, like a an organized sort of role. And then to go into a job that you was completely in control of everything yourself or the structure wasn't just set in stone, mm. it blew my mind. Um, but it just created anxiety in me that I'd never felt before. Like I was just anxious beyond belief. Um, I've always had periods of anxiety in my life where... I've felt it. Like, I, for example, my driving test. So, first yeah. driving test I had, I think first one I didn't even turn up to because I didn't sleep for two nights before. Mm. Second one I went or failed because I was just so nervous I couldn't be on accelerate. accelerator. But just important things in my life I've always been anxious about. But that was a time where I, it was just overwhelming anxiety. And for me, it was just something that, it was just, in my mind, it was nerves. It was just nerves because it was something different and something new. But, Obviously, from then i had gone from steroids to nothing to a beefer to a change of lifestyle. Um, Do you feel like that on top of like the hangover
0: and whatever else? When no the the, the highs of highs of a befer yeah, coming yeah. back to work and then getting this pressure bombarded on you it wouldn't have helped
1: at all, would it? Oh, hundred percent not. And that's that was it. It just it was just overload. It was yeah. just complete. It was just it was just complete overload to something I couldn't explain, and from that, then it was a month from then I was changing from my role, and then I was nervous all the way through. I'd, I'd, I I was battling my nerves all the way through. It was just conscious. Uh, it was just constant anxiousness, mm. um, and then from that started doing the role, and what I found was because I was in charge of my own diary, it was very much a case of. I, I'm just trying to. I'm just trying to articulate it in the right way. Um, I was just always sat with it in my mind. So that whilst I was then back, I was still struggling with the intrusive thoughts about yeah. being gay and stuff like that. So that then was another kind of thing that had pulled the feet, uh, rug from under my feet. That I, did, I wasn't sure about. Like I, did, it, it, I was questioning everything about myself, bearing in mind. I had a, a missus at the time, and it was something that I was battling with. And don't get me wrong, it was something that I was talking to her about, but at the same time, it didn't make it any easier. No. um So kind of compiling all them things together, what I was noticing was I was going in cycles of, I'd be okay. Monday, Monday uh, Monday I'd be all right. Tuesday, I'd feel low. Wednesday, Thursday, I'd start picking myself up. Friday, I'd feel better because it would get into a weekend. Saturday, I were good. Sunday, I felt shit again and it it was just a cycle of like and every week started to have that same pattern of the days i'd feel crap um and then what i noticed was as i was going through time that cycle was speeding up so that that one cycle then start coming twice in the week and then over the period from when i started that job in september to the end of october that cycle were getting faster and um to the point where i was having that same cycle every day multiple times a day and it got to a point where um, obviously with the anxieties, I, started, I, I was struggling to sleep and then it got to a period where I didn't sleep for about three nights and that's genuine no sleep. Like I couldn't, I I'd just toss and turn all night till then get up the next day and then three nights. And for about seven days, I didn't eat a proper meal. I was just I'd, at the time where I wouldn't feel as anxious. I'd just all of a sudden just try to shove some food in. So I had some substance and, um it got to one weekend. I, I, re, I remember it so well. It was um, it was Halloween weekend, and bearing in mind it was a Saturday, and I, I hadn't slept, and I was on the sofa, and I was just under the covers. I was just shaking. I was shivering with anxiety, and like I, 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 it, it just hit its peak where I physically couldn't get myself off the sofa, mm. and um, for me. For, I would try um I would try anytime I get out of the covers I just have like a little panic attack I just have a little anxiety overwhelm and um like that were cuz with the intrusive thoughts were getting worse and worse and I was just feeling worse and worse and that were the first time where I felt that I was ready to die like I the, it was the easier option for me to die Mm. Um, and admitting that to myself, like that was the first time I'd said it, I said it to my, uh, to my missus and, um, I I don't, I think my missus rung my mum and then I said, I said it to my mum, um, and at that point my mum just kind of, she she obviously, obviously I can't even imagine what it felt like for her to hear that, um. But within 10, 15 minutes, she were up at the house, and she literally just grabbed me off the sofa, grabbed the covers, uh, grabbed the covers off me because like I was a mess. I was, I, I was a complete mess. I hadn't eaten, I hadn't slept, and when I stood up, I couldn't stand up properly because I was so kind of tired, so Meek. malnourished, yes, so yeah, weak. Yeah, yeah,
2: that it's almost what you imagine an like. You know, when heroin addicts go cold turkey, yeah, you yeah. see them shivering in a room and they mm. can't move and the sounds yeah, yeah. like that. Do you know what I mean? It, it, I can't believe how extreme this was.
1: That's that's where I were at. And um, like I said, to the point I genuinely admitted to myself that it would have been easier for me to die. Like That's what I felt like. And um, like I said, my mum, uh, I spoke to her on the phone. She, um, she drove up and she literally just grabbed my arm and just dragged me out of the house. And we went for a walk. I think we were walking for about an hour and we were just talking and that was the point where I realized that, that, well, no, it wouldn't, it were obvious that I needed some help, and um, yeah, it, that I'll never forget that day, and I used to, I, I used to feel sorry for myself for that, but now it was probably one of the best things that ever happened to me, but that, that's just through awareness of myself, um, so my mum took me for a walk, and uh, luckily through my work I have private medical insurance so um, at this point I rang the provider and asked if there were anything I could do for some counseling and they put me in touch with a therapist over in Keithley, um, a lady called Samantha Masley and I went and saw her and um, at this point it was t- it was then when she told me that I was that I had OCD and obvious depression mm. um. And for that, it gave me a little bit of clarity, it really did, because at that point it was like, well, what are all, because throughout this whole process, I was having all these thoughts that were something that had never been, had never been a thing in my life. And all of a sudden I was absolutely swamped by them, I couldn't sleep with them, everything was revolving around them, and because I was trying to understand them, it just creates that obsession and cycle.
2: How much of this would you attribute to the fact that you took steroids? Um, Do you I, think it were an accelerator in something that were underlying,
1: underlying? Or... Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I don't think it was the cause, but I think it was an accelerator because I've always had, I've, as a, even as a child, I'd go through little periods of just being down for a day or two, not being able to explain it and then I'd just come out of the other side of it. So I obviously had that sort of um, sensitivity within me. It just, it's, it just, grew it and I think then throwing me out of a routine of my normal life it just it there was a lots of different factors about it then factoring no sleep not being able to eat properly it was just not training yeah yeah not yeah not training of course yeah. so I were exercising so that's something that for me has been has always been a mainstay that I just I couldn't be bothered with anymore um and yeah so that it just all attributed to something that it came to a complete head.
2: So, for any young lads listening, and any parents of young lads that they might suspect may go down this route, particularly I hope you're young lads, uh, well. taking into account here that Reese did this on the basis that he wanted to look good on a lads' holiday, and it only lasted for eight weeks, and this was the start of absolute armageddon for you. For, yeah, personally. Yeah. So, for anyone listening, I know. It's great to look good and we're absolutely influenced by social media and mm-hmm. social pressures. But I think what you're talking about here, both of you, I hope that if this reaches one young lad that's toying it over in his head, all right, yeah, you might look good with your top off for a week on holiday, but this is potentially the uh, the downside of it. So
1: sorry to interrupt no, you. halfway, no. thought it was just really important to get that. 100%. I think that, look, everyone's not going to experience the yeah, same uh, yeah. symptoms as me and my, yeah. my symptoms are different to KP's and some people have had n- n- no problems and some people have had good experience. But I think you've got to be aware, be aware of the negative sides of it to be able to make an informed decision. And for me, it was never worth it mm, correct. on reflection. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, That's the thing though, on reflection, mm-hmm. if you could go get a blood test done before and they took your blood and went, <coughs> yeah, you'd be absolutely fine, you yeah. Crack on, 12 weeks, do your PCT, you'll look great and mentally you'll be absolutely fine. Unfortunately, it doesn't exist, it's a, it's a gamble however you 100%, it. yeah, yeah.
1: And why gamble with your own, it's different gambling with money to gambling with your own health or your life really. And it's not just, as you heard from that, it wasn't just my life, naturally going and saying that to my mum, saying that to my partner, it was, it has bigger ramifications. Yeah, cause your mum won't have just gone home that night and slept all right, would you? For, oh no, like yeah, I mean for, past, a for next
0: m- months, what she she will is uh, uh, yeah, but it, what, the, there will have been a fine line for your mum to not want to pester you but want to check in on you, sort of thing. Do, does that make sense? Well, is my that-
1: mum's always struggled in ways from due to her childhood, and I think that my mum's been an absolute pillar of strength, but mm. hers is having to be strong, like it. The, the, in that sort of, she's put absolutely everything into her sons, and kind of, will probably, but she'll probably put an element of her own dignity and her own success on her sons, and then for her son to come back and yeah. say that, yeah, it's it's undignifying for for her, and it's something completely out of her control. Just um, by.
2: At what point did did you tell your mum, or did your mum find out that you've been dabbling in gear? Were it so much you sort of knew anyway? Or no. It, when all this came out, you you like, Mum, look, this is what happened. This is sort of been a contributing factor.
1: Yeah, it was afterwards. I can, I've always been quite open with my mum, so um, it, it was after. I, can, I don't know how long it was after, um, but I did tell her. Yeah. Um. My, my, miss- my missus knew the whole time, um, and she recommended that I didn't do it. She, um, she told me. To it was just one of them that I just we're a young lad just doing his stupid shit. Mm. Insight's are wonderful. Of course thing, it, it is. It. Mm. Um, so
0: well, where, after this walk then, what, uh,
1: what did you do to help yourself? Where, where did it go? So, um, like I said, so for me, I ended up, um, I ended up going to, to therapy and it was something that were covered under my private healthcare. So I was lucky enough that it didn't actually end up costing me anything. And I, Like this, it, it were i think it were a hundred pound an hour um wow. so it wasn't so it wasn't cheap and it was just something in in reality that i probably took for granted a little bit because i didn't realize the value of it at the time and to be honest i wasn't that i don't like using the term mental health as such but like I, struggles and difficulties were actually never something i really appreciated because it were because i were always quite naive to some effect whilst i knew whilst I had my sensitivities like it it was never a thing that I thought oh it's a it's a thing it's not I didn't see the value of it so then when I got I got a diagnosis it didn't that didn't go very far but it did help me kind of shed a bit of light on where I was at but for me it was I was doing two sessions a week because it would get into a point where I was feeling low and um, I'd go from feeling okay to low and it was the mood swings that I was getting so going from being okay to really low mm. that's what i'd find that's what i found really difficult because it were exhausting it was the the mood swings um, and not being in control of it doesn't matter what i was doing i couldn't control how i was feeling um, and the therapy were make it were making me more and more aware of what i was going through but it, cu- it still couldn't let me have a grip of how i was feeling so Obviously, I was quite well-practiced with talking because I were open with my mum anyway. Talking about things were never really a difficult thing for me, but then getting a handle on my moods because for me, creating a routine was always what made me feel better. It was always what allowed me to kind of create my own happiness or stability, Mm. and then that being taken away, I was just in no man's land of knowing how to get a handle of how to make myself feel better. Getting techniques, they'd make me feel better to some point, but they just the laws were too much. Um okay. to a point where, like I said, I was just I, I had the word suicide chasing me around my head at work. Um and I would just I'd just be sat there in tears because it was just chasing me. Mm. Like no matter where my conscious thoughts were, that's what were just flickering in my head. Um and I think it was it was just after new year in 2000 and 2020 that then I decided that I needed to go on some sort of medication. Cause whilst I'd been doing therapy for two months, Whilst I was somewhat better, it like as, as I go back to it, it was just the mood swings, I couldn't get mm-hmm. control of them. So that was the point where I decided that medication because I didn't want to go on medication. If I it were no. always it was probably a dignity thing, like I wanted to create my own happiness. Yes, um, it's a naivety, but mm-hmm. that was what my thought process was. I want to create my own happiness and do that through my own um routine, yeah. And um, yeah, so I started taking medication, and that um, I took in sertraline, um, and that that helped massively in terms of the mood swings. Um, and it going on medication was not something that I took lightly because it was something I really wanted to avoid. Um, but it was something that I had to do because I just couldn't get a grip and, of, of myself. And after about three weeks, I started to feel better to the point where them mood swings, them ups and downs were not being anywhere near as ups and downs. It, well, I was starting to level out. And it just meant that the actual, so this is where the kind of lesson is that I think is valuable is that the therapy was teaching me the actual techniques to be able to, I suppose, manage my mind to some effect, but it was the medication that helped my body kind of just reset itself a little bit, just get a little bit of a handle. So I wouldn't have been able to do one without the other. Mm. Um, But, medication was I don't think that jump into medication because I think medication nowadays is very quickly prescribed as a, a, a as a kind of relief for people yeah. and all that all that did for me was reduce the mood swings it didn't let me deal with anything that was going on in my head it mm. just reduced that anxiety down to, to be able, to be able to make sense of it and that's where i'd probably recommend to people don't just jump to medication i think that something that i've learned over time is that and most people say we mentioned about James Smith earlier, but things like getting eight hours sleep, making sure you're drinking enough water, going and mani- managing your stress, and um, oh. exercising enough, and making sure your nutrition's okay. constantly improving. Yeah, yeah, yeah Don't yeah. need to be spot on, but that they're the biggest things that I'd say sustainable. Kind of well-being are based off because you can take medication, have therapy, but again, if you don't have them things in place, mm. you you still ain't got a grounding. And I think we spoke
2: about it with Dave K, didn't we? And we were saying, you know, you, again, I'm 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 not disrespecting or using, you know, taking anything lightly, but what we spoke about with Dave was, if you're in a in a lull. Mm. And you're feeling like shit, but you diet shit and you don't exercise and you play Xbox till four o'clock in the morning mm. and get up for work at six. There's a lot of things you can tick off of your list before you sort of, like you said, just jump to medication. Yeah, yeah.
1: And that's, like I said, that's just my experience of things and what I've learned over time for myself. and everyone's. But I just think that that is... I think that's the little non-negotiables that should be told to people and make, really understand because again, the sleeping, because um, that was something else I didn't mention, that I I started, to, uh, along with the uh, medication, I was given sleeping tablets as well to, because I, I just couldn't go to sleep, I couldn't get any eight hours sleep, I could get three hours and then I'd be up for four hours and then I'd be go to sleep for another two hours, so it was just constant broken sleep, and until I got that pattern of a full night's sleep, I wasn't improving, the mood, st- the mood swings were still there. Um, so that was massively important, just being able to get them. I can function anything from six hours, to be honest. I don't need eight, nine, I can do from six. So just getting that, I noticed a genuine turn in my well-being from that. Um, and I couldn't speak highly enough. So if people were struggling, that would be the first thing I always say to kind of start to focus on, get, get the routine of them little things. Yeah. Brilliant. So what would you... So you've, what do you do now? S- to manage myself? Yeah, yeah. So over this time, so what I, I think something that were holding me back for so long was the thing was that I was always trying to aim to get my mindset back to how it was before I was struggling mm. um, because I thought, well, I weren't struggling then, so I need to get back to that point. Yes. And I think that that then created its own issue and I was comparing myself to an old self and it creates its own problems. Whereas then when I kind of dropped that and it was focusing on a day-by-day basis, I had to start when I was struggling, taking every day for its merit. And what so I'd have one good day, I'd have two bad days, I'd have two good days. And it just like taking each day as it comes, as opposed to looking things out, like, right, well, today's shit, so my life's shit. Or today's good, so everything's sorted. You just kind of took, I had to take everything back. And again, this goes back to, what I were challenging with that was that inner belief of get a good job, work hard and it'll learn and, and you'll be happy. It was ultimately challenging that because I had that inner belief from being young. And then this mindset was kind of, it was completely going against what I ever knew. So I was re, I was genuinely reprogramming myself without realizing. And that, that was important for me, forgetting what had happened in the past. This is where I'm at now. And mm-hmm. Today is today. What what will be will be, and that 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 sounds a bit of a cliche nowadays. What will be will be, but control what you can control, and that's what like I I made a I made a a lot of I, I did it wrong a lot of times. I'd then slide back subconsciously into mm-hmm. thinking the same way, looking forward, looking back, and but then when you bring yourself back to that mindfulness, that's what really helped me. Um, and when I'm struggling, because do go through times where I'm just low and I can't really explain why I simplify it. And I focus on that day. Mm. And that for me helps massively because I have a genuine trust now that that shit feeling won't go on forever. It'll, it might, it might last a couple of days, it might last a few days, it might last a week, but that's all right. Cause if I just focus on that, I'm not trying to control the uncontrollable. That's what, that's what I find helps me along with, um, I have to train. Um I've, so I've got two dogs, so they get between three and six K worth of walks a day. Um I have to do that. Not to mention my dog won't let me not do it. But um mm. so there's that exercise, there's I have to go to the gym probably every other day. It's just, that just settles me massively. I have to have three litres of water a day. They're the non negotiables for me. And if I don't, then quite quickly I can fall into a little hole. Without realizing, yeah. Um, so that they're they're the things for me. It's quite simple, but it's liberating at the same time because previously I was so out of control with my moods that having them having that little structure for me to be able to bring um, the how I'm feeling back under my control to some effect. It makes things it makes things a little bit easier rather than feeling like you're completely out of control. I'd
0: I'd be more than happy to. End it there. I think we've touched on a lot of points tonight. Um, it's up to you. Have you I got
2: don't... all else you want to add? I, I, I feel like you, you've said so much and all of it has been so valid. Is there a way that you can sort of round off the conversation? Mm. Um. I'll tell you, I'll just ask you one question while you think about that. Have you ever been motivated by money, working with it so much? Has it um, ever been a really big factor?
1: Yes, it, it used it used to be, but it wasn't. It wasn't a working smart thing. It was very much a, right. I'll do more and more hours to earn more and more money. It was never. I I'd never kind of took, uh, had the principle of work smart in my mind. It was just work harder through working more. Um, I used to be really motivated by money. I used to like material things, and it's not that I don't like them now, but I'm not driven by an excess of them. Yeah. Um, if that makes sense so i know what i like and i know what i want and if that was taken away from me or if i couldn't afford that that negatively impact me but having anything in excess of that it don't feel i don't feel motivated or driven by that um so to some effect no and that's why sometimes i question my validity in the actual um in the actual profession because that, that's something I have to deal with because you've got people that their life revolves around money and they're trusting you with their money. And for me, it's not the be all and end all for my life. So th- there's a little bit of a contradiction there to some effect. But um, at the same time, I do massively see the value in it in terms of um, people are a lot better off and they make a lot better decisions with a finance advisor than without. Um, Good blog. Um, what's that that's a good plug <laughs> yeah. no, i'm quite interested
2: yeah. in that really because for me do if i had fifty, sixty grand sat in a drawer mm. i'd think i might go get a financial advisor and see what i can do with that but realistically
0: uh,
1: is there a lower limit of when you should be speaking to a financial advisor or Not at all, really, because if you think about it, going back to when we were talking about the different areas of financial advice, it starts with protecting your family. So you've got two kids. I don't know what the earnings are like between you and your missus, but let's just say you're the breadwinner. If something was to happen to you, then... I suppose you'd be putting the, the correct policies in place to make sure that your family would be all right if something was to happen to you. It's quite morbid to talk about, but that's financial advice. It's making you aware of the potential consequences of negative things happen. That's financial advice. Then typically, as you said, 50, 60 grand in, in a draw, there's not many people that have that. So looking towards retirement, whilst we've got the cliches of live for now, kind of plugged around. Like for me, what I found is one eye on now, one eye on future, because mm. the longer you've got to plan little and often, the better position you're going to be longer term. And even with, there's other aspects that, so diversification is a big thing in finance advice. So whether that's in property, whether it's in stocks, whether it's in um, commodities, what, whatever you want to put it, That this is, There's always relevance to it, so I don't think there's a minimum point because everyone's got to start somewhere, and the whole point of financial advice is wealth building. So, so so, so, lads like yourselves are almost a good place to be because you've got that family kind of set up already ready, and you want to secure your financial future for, for both yourselves and your children. So, in reality sitting down with a financial advisor and understanding what your financial goals are is important because you can blindly kind of sit and think, oh, I'm putting away £200 a month, £500 a month, £1,000 a month. What is that in terms of context? And that's what the benefits of financial advice is. It's context and being able to add some substance to your goals and what matters to you. Financial advice isn't financial advice without knowing the person that you're talking to and what makes them tick. Yeah, um, oh, I get that. No, it's good. good. Just one point. one more question. This is probably we should be
2: paying you by an hour at this point, but <laughs> pensions. Yeah. We
0: work in a very uh. pension
2: oriented <laughs> environment on the basis that it's sort of uh,
0: 90 percent of the employees are due to retire within the next five years. So
2: pe- in your place. Yeah.
1: Yep. Yeah.
0: The
2: conversations that I hear is basically all these people are now trying to work out the best way to get as much money out as possible Mm. without taxes and all the rest of it it might seem it might sound like a stupid question it might be but it's just something in my head we work all this life we get taxed on it we put it into a pension then when we draw out of a pension when we finish working, we get taxed again then the money that we walk away with Every time we spend it,
1: we pay a tax mm-hmm. on
2: it. Yeah, yeah, Why don't we just put money in shoeboxes?
1: Well, that's what they're ultimately trying to make harder and harder, yeah, it isn't is. it? That's why we're, put, we're moving towards a cashless society. Um, but at the same time, look at inflation at this moment in time. You've got inflation at 10%, so that money you've got in a shoebox will be worth 10% less, or it can buy you 10% less next time round. So in reality, playing devil's advocate, you could put that money into stock market it could lose 20 percent. but you'd like to think that you look at you zoom out on let's just use the american markets as an example you look over a 50-year period it's 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 on an upward trajectory over long term and that's where it goes back to financial advice financial advice is a minimum kind of five-year sort of um commitment because and and that's part of the financial advice question. You don't you don't tell someone to invest the money if they're then going to want it out in a year because the chances are it's a fifty fifty as to whether it's gone up or down. Yeah. Um, but these people, it's a lot about knowing the rules that are set there by the government. There's all the so if you look at. There's there's always the idea of the rich and the poor, but rich stay rich. But that's because there's there's allowances there to be used. There's rules there to be utilised. It's firstly knowing them and secondly implementing them because some people will have the mindset of, well, it's my money, I want it out now. But you're taking money from a taxable environment of a pension. So let, let's say someone, they've got 50 grand in a the pension. They're right, I'm going to take 50 grand out of that pension now. Well, that 50 grand is going to be taxed. So, but in reality, so only for it to sit in your bank account, for it to then lose money with inflation. And this, and, and making decisions is as important as not making decisions in financial advice. In my opinion, well, I'd say ask any financial advisor. It's stopping people from making them rash decisions as much as anything. Um, yeah, and and I both, appreciate
2: that, that. Like
1: you say, it's an insight for us because,
2: I mean... Trying as pensions, last thing that we're thinking about, right, but we do right, hear a lot of
0: it. No, we think about it a lot, but getting there <laughs> is forever away. That's what yeah. the thing is, and yeah.
1: that's again, it's for me, it's one based on my values. It's one eye on now, one eye on future, mm. because you don't want to get to sixty years old and thought, "Fuck, it, I've got loads of experience, but I'm nothing, so I'm going to work till I die." Yeah, and then there's no point hoarding everything away to get to retirement, and then your ill, Ill health means that you don't get to experience it because. Yeah just the next person that
0: no, that's me and you
1: <laughs> last two points if
2: you cool. don't mind no no of um I'd like to get a bit of a closing message from you just you know advice based on your learnings basically not your financial advice but life um and also have you got any goals and aspirations moving forward things you'd
1: like to do achieve so answering the first point um obviously i talked about quite a dark time of my life in Mm. in that that was my story but that was hopefully just highlighting just being honest about the issues that i was having i've I've been a person that's not had a particularly uh, difficult upbringing and the biggest adversity that i experienced was my own it wasn't something that was out of my control and i know that so many people have adversities that are out of their control Mm. so for me it was very humbling to be in that sort of position and I've had to work to go from a suicidal point to probably I'd like to say and proudly say that I'm kind of consistently the happiest I've ever been. And that's just through learning and being self-aware and kind of being aware of an ego and dropping that as much as possible. And for that, I always just say just be a student and Mm -hmm. learn Uh, because and going back to what I said right at the beginning, you can learn fr- stuff from people that you expect the least, the, the, the people that you least expect to give good advice, usually give the good advice, because it's from a completely different ex- perspective of what you mm. think. Um, so that's, that's how I always try to um, do things, is always just be a student and learn, um, even if it's just from yourself, being aware. Um, I think there's a lesson in that. And secondly in terms of aspirations and goals. Um, so for me, I want to see it. I, I quite simply want to see as much of the world as possible. That's, that's I think, one of the biggest lessons for me. Um, and just always challenge myself because like, whilst I'm not a particularly competitive person, I'm competitive with myself. And I think that being a better version of yourself, as cliche as that sounds, like challenging yourself in some way. Um, just always, just always be better. Um, obviously, the, as as I've talked about, there's times where that, but that just because you're going through hard times, it don't mean you're better in some way. There can be better being better through showing compassion, understanding other people's mm. point of view, or being a better listener. I'm the worst bastard in the world for butting in on people and wanting to say, it, but like it's always something I want to do better is listen to people, and that there can be ways you can be better, not just physical money in the bank or size of your house or um you you understand you what makes you happy or what makes you happy is actually quite a shit word to use in it because it's an emotion whereas i I always like to say balance because understanding where the balance is for you because if you have too much good you get blindsided by bad and if you have too much bad you don't appreciate the good yeah exactly it's um Mm. Yeah,
0: I think
2: happy. Just to contradict you, here, I think happy is such an important word. Like it's only what six yeah, letters? Yeah, I'll go for five it myself, letters. Man. Five letters? Yeah, five yeah. letters. But there's a, you know, there's so many different avenues of happiness. It's it's crazy, and one thing that I've took away from this from both of you, being at your lowest. Mm has certainly helped you. It's been, it's been your biggest motivation to get to where you want to be or to at least go on that trajectory to where
1: you want to be.
0: That,
2: that's both of you, that. That's mm. you too.
1: Mm. No, that's uh, a band. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> <Dick>. Just Just um, <laughs> saying, so I am going to finish on this because I can talk shit forever. But um, for me, when when i'm when i'm going through one of those times where things are all that great like i do what gets me out of bed is not wanting to feel in that place that i went where we're at before so like in reality it gets me up so i use that negative as a positive so um yeah like you say it, it's a motivation to not be in that sort of place well reese thank
0: you very much for your honesty thank you for your time and i'm more I don't I I I can't point to words how happy I am for you. Just just to say that you like you said earlier, you you're now well balanced. Mm.
1: Yeah. All so. my skeletons are
0: here to well, be seen, mate. Well, that's it. You good on you. Yeah, thanks a lot. Thank, Thank you. Advice.